Investors eye supply chain companies. New research into women and supply chain leadership. And Walmart makes new investments in automation. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. I am Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Yale Materials Handling. This isn't yesterday's warehouse. Today's challenges require smart, connected lift trucks and solutions like robotics, advanced power options, and Yale Reliant, an industry-leading suite of operator assist technologies. For more information, visit Yale.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, the past year has certainly shown to the rest of the world the importance of supply chains. Also taking notice is the investor community. What makes companies within our industry attractive to investment firms? To find out, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, the logistics sector has seen a real surge of investment funding in recent years, and the money seems to be backing everything from the smallest tech startups to established players. But while supply chain professionals may have expertise in topics like transportation and material handling, of course, uh, most of us are not experts in finance. So our guest today is Jim Carlisle from Thomas H. Lee Partners. That's a Boston-based private equity firm. Jim has been at TH Lee for more than 20 years, and today he heads up the firm's technology and business solutions vertical and its $900 million automation fund. Uh, the firm has been busy, of course. They've made a long string of investments in the sector, including just last month when they combined two companies in their portfolio, the material handling solutions provider, MHS Global, and the supply chain systems design and integration firm, Fortna, into a single company. And in fact, Jim now serves as chairman of the board of that new combined company. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for making some time and joining our podcast today. Thank you. I'm happy to be on. So off the top here, just to give our listeners some context, it might be helpful to describe the types of investments that your firm makes and what your objectives are for companies in which you invest. Great. So through each of THL's $900 million automation fund and our $5.6 billion flagship fund, uh, we can make smaller growth equity oriented investments, think $25 million sized deals, uh, to larger growth equity or small control transactions. Maybe those are 50 or $75 million investments uh, to very large control transactions, which can represent up to multiple billions of equity invested in a single company. When we invest, our objective is to accelerate growth. It's really to help a team improve their business. And so we've invested a ton over the years at being good partners to management teams, adding value through domain expertise, the specific areas that we focus, like automation and logistics, as well as our firm's operating resources, which can partner with management teams, hopefully to help them accelerate growth. Boy, and then I'm struck by some of those numbers. Um, I, I'm in complete agreement that uh, very large uh, would, would encompass that multiple billions number. Um, but looking at uh, smaller in the 25 millions and large in the 50 to 75 million um, really puts it into some context there. Uh, when logistics firms are looking to raise money anywhere along that spectrum, 
you know, we hear a lot of a lot of words here, a lot of vocabulary. What are the differences sort of between uh, you hear about venture capital and private equity and corporate acquisitions and even going public? What, how do those compare? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in, in the simplest form, different financing sources may work better for different company life stages. And venture capital is often associated with the earliest investments that go into a company. Uh, typically designed to take a business from an idea to a product to a marketplace. Um, growth equity, which is a new category I'll add just to um, you know, create a bit more confusion, um, is minority capital that's designed to help a company accelerate growth after that company's product, software, or service has already been established with customers. Private equity is usually a change of control transaction. So early shareholders um, have an opportunity to sell their shares in the company, sometimes with rollover ownership, depending on the situation. Um, for private equity, and I'll expand a bit since that's our primary business, um, you know, having a single shareholder can be, bring great benefit um, to a company because of the focus. Management doesn't have to deal with competing agendas from multiple shareholders on a board. Um, and even more, at the outset, management can select an investment partner that may be purpose-built for the mission uh, that they have at hand over the next handful of years. Corporate acquisitions are for companies that see value in being part of a larger whole rather than maybe competing independently. Maybe a corporate um, acquirer has a channel through which they can sell their product. And of course, you know, corporate acquisitions also represent an opportunity for early shareholders to sell their positions. IPOs represent a choice to diversify a shareholder base while accessing an alternative source of funding. Uh, public companies have a different set of responsibilities than private companies and obviously very different board dynamics. Hopefully that gives you an overview quickly of the different categories of investment uh, that companies can see. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And uh, and it, it, it also uh, really underlined how important it is um, to focus on you know where a company is in its journey uh, there so it, it's uh, that they're very different strategies I guess for uh, for, for bringing on uh, continuing its growth on that does some of those goals also change like another thing just in covering the industry that you often see um, when funds are raised uh, is the different rounds you get seed rounds and series ABC um, they, they don't often seem to go beyond e although I think I saw a series F maybe yesterday um, how does that come into play yeah, so early stage investors often want rapid growth, um, typically followed by incremental funding for the business at, at, at you know, hopefully higher valuations. Um, venture capitalists typically have large portfolios of investments. Not all of those investments necessarily have to work, uh, but those that do can be home runs. Growth equity and private equity owned companies, you know, may sell to another investor. They may sell to a corporate. They may go public. Um, but in those portfolios, success is typically expected from every single investment. Um, stepping back, though, I'd argue that the exit from either an early stage investor, growth equity player, or private equity um, firm, um, exit you know, is really more of an output metric than anything else. Um, of course, equity value appreciation is everyone's goal. Um, but as investors, we need to work with management teams for a richer, more specific set of goals. What are the inputs for that specific business that drive success? And if we can get those things right, then equity value appreciation and exit um, will typically follow. 
Thank you. That makes sense. So um, following up on that a little bit um, for, you know, particular firms that might be in our area here, um, do you have advice, I guess, or some do's and don'ts um, for logistics firms, you know, they're looking to raise funds? Yeah, sure. You know, do, I would say, find a real partner, develop alignment with that investor, and then use the investment as a catalyst. Um, and really specifically, I'd, I'd argue that a, an entrepreneur or management team should find the capabilities that match with the needs of that particular company, whether it's go-to-market or technology investment or organizational design needs. Um, and don't, well, I, you know, don't call anybody but us. Um, no, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'd say don't, I'd say don't become too distracted with the financing process. The goal shouldn't be a successful financing. Uh, the goal is the success of your business over the long term. Yeah, it makes sense there. Um, and then maybe to, to back up a little, we've, we've all been studying a lot of the macro conditions that we've been seeing across, well, across the globe and across the economy. Um, the pandemic, of course, um, inflation more recently, uh, labor crunch seems to never go away. You know, how, how do those, you know, come into play um, with some of the conversation that we've been having so far? Well, automation and logistics have seen increased investment as a result of each of those three macro conditions that you cited. Um, you know, companies are seeing a demand increase due to pandemic-driven e-commerce growth, as an example. Um, we're certainly seeing supply chain or manufacturing challenges created by wage inflation and labor sh uh, shortages. Um, you know, and for each of those things, the solution is technology. Um, so, you know, as, as, our, as investors, we're trying to find the businesses that, you know, can help their customers navigate those choppy waters, looking for uh, solutions uh, to some of those problems. And then on top of that, looking for ways where we can help uh, the companies in which we invest create opportunity amid the disruption uh, that those macro conditions are creating. Makes good sense. Makes good sense. Um, great. Well, I, I was really able to, to learn a lot from our talk here uh, today, Jim. I appreciate your coming on the show with us. Great. I've enjoyed the time with you and uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, thank you. Our guest here on the podcast today has been Jim Carlisle from TH Lee. Uh, Dave, back to you. Thank you, Jim and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Victoria, you wrote this week about new research into women in leadership roles of our supply chains. Can you share some details? Absolutely, Dave. Happy to. Um, so more women are occupying senior level positions in the supply chain these days. And that is according to the annual Women in Supply Chain Survey, which is conducted by Gartner and uh, the industry organization called AWESOME, which stands for Achieving Women's Excellence in Supply Chain Operations, Management, and education. Uh, the report was published a little bit earlier this month. The group surveyed 116 companies based primarily uh, in North America and Europe, and they found that women continued to advance to leadership roles across the supply chain, but they also found that overall, women's representation in the field declined a bit over the past year. And uh, just to put some numbers to it, the survey found that 19% of women occupy C-level positions, up from 15% last year. 34% are what you'd call first-line managers or supervisors, and that's up from 33% last year. And just to give you a comparison, 21% of women occupy VP-level roles. That's down from 23% last year. Overall, women comprise 39% of the total supply chain workforce in 2022, and that's down slightly from 41% last year, uh, according to the survey. 
Another interesting point, the survey found that many women are leaving the profession mid-career, primarily due to a lack of advancement opportunities, compensation concerns, and the need for greater flexibility. Victoria, does the research dig any further into why some women are leaving the industry? Yes, it does. Um, as you may expect, external forces are putting pressure on many organizations when it comes to advancing uh, women. According to the survey, 43% of supply chain leaders said the pandemic has had a negative effect when it comes to retaining and progressing women over the past year. And that's up considerably compared to last year. Just 11% reported a negative impact um, in the survey last year. So that's a really big change. More than half of end user organizations surveyed said that retaining mid-career women is a growing challenge with an additional 19% saying it is a significant challenge, um, again, according to this year's survey results. I mentioned earlier that some of the reasons women are leaving, uh, or some of the reasons women are leaving, and the survey has some numbers behind that as well. 75% uh, cited a lack of advancement opportunities, followed by compensation at 43%, a lack of career development at 31%, and a lack of flexibility around another 29-30%. There's also a fourth issue driving this. Almost a quarter of the organization surveyed said that women have left mid-career because of increased domestic work and care responsibilities. That's something that has long been an issue in the workforce in general, but one that has certainly been a challenge for many people over the past two years um, with all of the um, issues and challenges of the pandemic. Um, this survey, just wanted to say, is, is really chock full of interesting statistics and information. Um, the groups have been publishing this for many years and it provides a look at the data historically. So I think it's really worth checking out and readers can access it, um, access the report by checking out our story. Um, and Gartner and Awesome, they also offer, an ac offer access to a free webinar that discusses the results in detail. That's great. Great information. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, you wrote this week about new automation heading to Walmart's distribution centers. Can you share some details? Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, you know, people don't get much bigger than Walmart. Uh, this involves some of the variables that we were talking about with our guest, of course, in terms of the labor shortage and, and some of the extreme economic conditions. Um, we've been writing often in recent months about the development of robots to fix some of those challenges, um, particularly in fulfillment jobs and warehouses. And you know we've seen a huge bloom in different startups and different types of robots to do that. Recently, I wrote about the acceleration of the adoption of those, uh, where they've sped up from doing small pilots just to try it out to doing large implementations off the bat. And we've really seen a big example of that this week. So Walmart said that it was expanding what had already been a really large robotic installation into one that spans its entire network in the US. Uh, the vendor involved here is a Massachusetts company called Symbotic LLC. And just last year, Walmart announced that it was installing Symbotic's robots and software in 25 of its 42 regional DCs. That's nationwide, so a little more than half. Uh, they didn't reveal how much money was going to be involved in that deal, uh, although Symbotic said later in 2021 that it planned to go public, uh, in part based on that momentum. But at the time, many people in the industry were a little surprised at the move because there were some much better known robot vendors on the market that Walmart could have chosen. So what are Walmart's goals with this rollout, Ben? And can Symbotic provide all of that for them? Exactly. I, I saw this as, uh, as a way to, to get into some of what uh, Walmart was trying to do to address these challenges. Um, so what Walmart said is that it wants to get products onto the shelves of its almost 5,000 stores more quickly. 
those are retail stores uh, in the US, including faster responsiveness to store orders, higher capacity in the DC, and greater inventory accuracy. So those are some pretty common strategies in automated logistics. To get there, it turns out that these two companies, uh, Walmart and Symbotic, they've been working closely together for years, actually. Uh, Walmart first installed these autonomous uh, Simbot robots, they're called, in one of its Florida DCs back in 2017. And they've been working on improving them together for, I guess that's five years ever since. So today, the platform uses a combination of artificial intelligence software, uh, mobile shuttles, and grasping arms, so a little bit of everything. Uh, and they work, the strategy here is to build customized pallet loads of pre-sorted inventory. So each pallet is built for a specific store or even a specific aisle in that store. Uh, again, they didn't share the size of this new deal. Um, and we should say that Symbotic has not gone public yet, or we would ultimately know. Uh, but we can read between the lines. Symbotic said this week that it now has a backlog of more than $11 billion in committed sales. And that's up from its previous level of about $5 billion just back in March. So uh, again, just reading between the lines, that's an increase of about $6 billion, presumably linked to these 17 additional Walmart DCs that it's now going to populate. Yeah, well, it's just more proof of how automation is impacting the retail industry now. Thanks, Ben. Glad to do it. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And also check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And again, our thanks to Jim Carlisle of TH Lee for being our guest. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our new sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. It's co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. Subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder, the Logistics Matters is sponsored by Yale. Modern warehouse challenges require modern lift truck solutions. From robotics and zero emission power options to Yale Reliant, an industry-leading operator assist system. Visit Yale.com for more information. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we will discuss the importance of supplier collaboration. Be sure to join us. Until then, have a great Memorial Day weekend.